One of the things that uh, we've had a, uh, a conference, for those who aren't, weren't here uh, and are here now, um, so many Christians have a struggle in their minds. And um, we talked about the mind. The command of God is that you should love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And love, as I said um, over the weekend, the, the love that is not in the mind is no love at all. Love in your emotions and with feelings is not real love. It, your emotions will soon wear out. And so many people... Um, get married for the wrong reasons they get attracted to someone and it's a physical attraction uh, you realize hey if you just loved out of emotion and physical attraction you've got nothing left and you love with the mind and if you can't have a relationship with the mind there's something wrong and with God it's the same there's a lot of people having a spiritual or emotional experience, but if their mind doesn't love God, if they don't comprehend the wonder of God, the grace of God, the beauty of God, the glorious salvation of God, they don't understand the redemption of God with their minds, but it's just an emotional experience and a decision of the will, their faith will not last. They will end up soon away from God and their explanation will be, well, you know, I don't feel. I don't feel this, I don't feel that. Well, Christianity is not with feeling. Love is not with feeling. Love is with the mind as well as the emotions. We're a whole person. Tripartite. Do you understand that? That's simple, isn't it? Yeah. Is that simple? Hello? You know, most of you left your mind at home, did you? You came here. People come to church and they, they want an experience. I go over to America, Africa, um, South America, North America. I've been in China, India. Not India. Um, China, Japan. E everywhere you go, people want an experience. In Australia... They want an experience. They want magic. But magic doesn't last. It's not real. And when Jesus Christ came to earth, he wasn't a magician. He didn't come with some magic power. He came with a word of life. And he came to teach people and to bring them to a knowledge of who God the Father was and what he came to do. And, and so often you find people come to church and what they expect is some magic. Well, if you've come tonight and you want magic, you came to the wrong place. And Christ is not like that. And so I want to spend some time and talk to you as individuals. I know that some sick people have come... If you want a miracle from God, you've got to understand how God operates. You've got to understand why God operates.
you've got to understand who this God is. It's, I, I find it so appalling. People go to churches and, and the only thing they want is some experience, hyped up. Well, I'm not for that. I want something that works, that lasts, and that's eternal. And his word is eternal. And so we're going to look. You know there was a a time in Matthew chapter 8, if you turn there in your Bible, uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, uh, chapter 8, I beg your pardon. I Did I say 8? Did I say 9? Well, 9 was after 8 and 8 was before 9. Um, in verse 22... You'll find Jesus, when one of the disciples uh, said to him, uh, verse 21, Suffer me to go bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? And they get in a ship, and a storm arises, And they all think they're all going to die. And so they wake Jesus up. And Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. He was asleep in the ship. Can you imagine in a storm just to go to sleep? And the waves were coming over the ship. Now presumably if the waves are that big to come over the ship, he, he got wet. But there he was, fast asleep, and his disciples panic, and they wake him up, and they say, Master, we perish, we're all going to die. And he says, oh, you're of little faith. And then he just stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves, and there's a great calm. And when the calm comes, they say, well, what manner of man's this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Here's the God of all creation, just speaks. And when you come to ask Jesus something, the thing you need to understand is it doesn't matter what the storm of your life is. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. Doesn't matter what turmoil there is, doesn't matter what confusion there is. One thing I want you to understand when Jesus speaks, everything becomes calm. He's the creator of heaven and earth, He created everything. 
and he has all authority and all power and is here and he can speak peace and stillness into the most troubled turbulent situation in a second it doesn't take him any trouble at all our God is a good God, a mighty God. And it's not magic, it's authority. Everything's upheld by the power of his word, nothing exists without him. He's everything. And the only questions he asks when people come is, what are you so troubled about? I bet some of the disciples said, hey, can't he see the waves? Can't he see what's going on? Well, he can. And the thing he comes to do is just speak peace. You'll find the same thing over in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. In Matthew 14. And you'll find it in um, verse 22. And straight away Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship. Do you know, if I'd ended up, first of all, they follow him into a ship. And look what happened. They had ended up in a great storm, fearful of their, their you know, demise. The next time, he tells them to get into a ship. He constrained them to get into a ship. I wonder if they were saying, hey, the last time we went in a ship, look what happened. Uh, you know, but anyway, he gets them into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. You know, storms and trials of life very often bring people to one conclusion. When God comes in and God stills the storm, when God changes the circumstances, then people begin to realize who God really is. 
And God's whole purpose is to reveal himself and his power. And so often people's lives get in a mess. Their bodies get sick. Their circumstances just turn into turmoil. And it's at that point that God comes. And it's a mystery why God has to wait for people to be an absolute mess before they'll turn to him. And usually the only time they turn to him when they've tried everything else and failed. When nothing else works, they turn to God. And they begin to pray. Uh, I, I know that some people, you know, they come, they have cancer. Please, if you're a Christian, don't answer the way I heard one person answered. Someone came to me, he had cancer, and he said, well, sooner you than me. That is not a helpful comment. Uh, to turn around and say that to someone. If you're sick, if you're hurting, if your life is messed up, I want to tell you there's a Jesus who heals. There's a Jesus who delivers. There's a Jesus who comes, first of all, to still the storm. Because when things go wrong and when the body gets sick, I'll tell you what happens. Fear grips hold of people. And fear is an awful tormenting thing. It grips, it gnaws at people. And Jesus always comes. And the first thing he does is bring peace. He always comes to bring peace. In the midst of the turmoil, he wants to bring peace. He's not worried about anything else. He'll bring peace. And you know, once you have peace, you can think rationally. When you're in a panic, you don't think rationally. And the first thing he deals with is fear. Because fear has tremendous torment. What is going to happen? There's fear of the unknown, fear of the consequences, fear of what will happen. And he in his love intends to bring peace. Is that plain? In any circumstance, that's all he wants to do, first of all. And he says, don't be afraid. And when they see the result of his bringing peace, they marveled. They said, goodness me. You notice Jesus just spoke the words. He, he doesn't have to fight or struggle. He didn't spend nights of prayer trying to get the storm to stop. By that time, they would have been at the bottom of the sea. He didn't say, well, we better fast. We better do... You, you know, so often, uh, religious people, they feel that there's some great thing in fasting. There isn't. The only good thing about fasting is you'll lose weight. It won't do you any good spiritually. It was a heathen practice and God never instituted it. You do understand that. If you're one of these people that thinks that starving yourself is going to make you spiritual, you ought to have been a Buddhist or a Hindu, not a Christian. 
think about it. The only time Jesus fasted was for 40 days and 40 nights, and he ended up meeting the devil. The most important thing to understand was he was sent there by the Spirit to be tempted of the devil, and you aren't the savior of the world, and God isn't sending you into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, because he knows you'd fall flat on your face at the first temptation. Without him, you won't succeed. And you will find, if you go back into Leviticus, that God never instituted fasting but for one half day on the Day of Atonement. That's it. And basically in the Babylonish captivity, and uh, when they were captured in Persia, they took up the heathen practice of fasting and wailing and doing all the nonsense. Uh, but that is not a Christian habit. It's been adopted by Christians who don't really study. But God intends education. And if you educate yourself, you find it's not so. In fact, the Lord Jesus Christ taught his disciples to say, give us this day our daily bread, didn't he? They said, how shall we pray? Well, if you've got daily bread given you by God and he says that's how you should pray, shouldn't you eat what he gives you? Hello? Now, if the Holy Spirit tells you to fast for a specific reason, out of obedience, do it. But make sure it's God who told you. Not some idea that somehow by fasting you'll get your prayer answered from God. That is not right. Isaiah makes it quite clear that God says, no, that's not the way I want things done. Is this the fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? To make his voice to be heard on high? He says, this is not the fast I've chosen. The fast I've chosen is that you heal the sick, you deliver the captive, you let the oppressed go free. And that is what Jesus did in his earthly walk. And I find so many people have adopted heathen customs and think they're spiritual. And they don't keep their fast secret. They let everyone know how, how great a spiritual person they are. I fast oft. And you say, well, the, the Pharisees fasted oft, yeah. And Jesus turned to them and he said, well, you know, you fast for show. And then they came to Jesus and they, they said, well, why is it that John's disciples fast and um, other people fa fast, the, uh, uh, and yet your disciples don't fast? The Pharisees are fasting. Why don't your disciples fast? And Jesus said, well, they can't fast while the bridegroom's with them. Uh, it's only when the bridegroom's taken away, and that was for three days, then they'll fast. But while the bridegroom's with them, and thank God the bridegroom is with us. Jesus is alive, he's risen, and he's here. And because he's here, I don't try and become a person who pretends he isn't. You know, he never leaves you nor forsakes you. I find a lot of people think that they come into church to meet with God. Well, did you leave him there when you left? Or did you walk out in the power of the Spirit and was he in you? If he's in you, 
then you don't come here to meet him. He lives within you, doesn't he? Hello? You see, the mind's got bent by false teaching. And you start believing somehow. Oh, you know. And then they've got this idea of presence. Well, in God we live and move and have our being. We're in God. Don't get out of him. Uh, I just don't like religion. Especially the religion of the Pharisees. So you don't have to fast and pray to get your prayers answered. God can hear you. And the first time you pray, he'll hear. The first time you ask him. In fact, my God says that before you ask, I've answered. I like a God like that. Uh, you know, I, I, I meet people that say, oh, when I pray, I have to pray through. Pray through what? A fog? When I pray, God hears. End of story. You know, Daniel, when he got to praying, God, God sent an angel, and the, the news from the angel was the first day you prayed, God heard. And then he wasted the rest of his time fasting and praying when God had already heard him and sent the answer. Because the answer's delayed, and you don't see the fulfillment of it instantly, doesn't mean God hasn't fulfilled his word. He always does. And you need to get that into your heart and mind. It's very simple. See, people, their minds somehow, what can I add to what's done on Calvary's tree when Jesus bled and died for me? What can I add to him taking my sin? What can I add to him taking my diseases? Nothing. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. God wants to gift you healing. God wants to gift you salvation. It's not what you do. It's what he has done. I believe he's done it all. Uh, and what we're doing tonight, I, I just want to acquaint you with the facts. And I just want to challenge some of your religious ideas. Because you could end up starving to death before you get your prayers answered. If that's the way you think it is. Think you've got to earn it. Uh, our God is a good God. Here he's come, he's settled uh, the storm, is still lit with his word. And then you look in Acts of the Apostles and you find there's a woman possessed of a demon. And what, is, what happens is quite simple. You'll find it was a, a spirit of divination in Acts 16. It, it was a word that rebuked it. In the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And that was the end of the devil. You'll find Jesus at Bethesda when he had a man at the pool of Bethesda. Uh, he didn't go into long prayers. He just said, take up your bed, arise, take up your bed, go. And the man was healed. And I find so often people don't understand that healing isn't in a long prayer. Healing is in obedience to what God says you should do. You'll find in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, if we look there, Matthew 9 and verse 20.
You remember the story? Behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, If I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. She actually believed in the power of God to do it. And the only thing you have to believe for a miracle is that this God in heaven is able to do it. If you believe that, the miracle's yours. All you have to do is touch him. Just touch the hem of his garment. And if he lives within you, your miracle's real anyway. Because he's already touching you and you're touching him. It's not some great spiritual experience. It's faith. Not your faith, his faith. You know, when Jesus walked on the earth, he did miracle after miracle. This woman, she saw all the miracles and she became convinced that Jesus could do anything and she figured it out. She said, look what he's doing. If I just get near to him and touch the hem of his garment, that's it. That's all I need. And then Jesus turned round to her and said, who touched me? And she identified herself and he said, your faith has made you whole. Where did the faith came from? come from the faith didn't come from the woman the faith came from the miracle she saw and what she saw the Lord Jesus Christ could do and she said well I just need to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be whole you've got to understand the God of heaven who created everything he's prepared to heal you tonight it's just a matter of belief you can choose to believe that he is true to his word you can let your heart and your mind believe that he cannot fail you can believe that he cannot lie and you can reach through and you can find that the God of heaven will meet your need and touch you and heal you and deliver you and it's as simple as that that's simple isn't it isn't that easy well isn't it easy Hello? You you don't have to make it complicated. You don't have to burn candles. You don't have to make sacrifice. You don't... God does it because God's God. Very simple. Uh, If you go on with me to look um, in Psalm 107... Verse 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. You know, it's a time when you've got distresses, when you've got things that are destroying you, there's one you can call on the Lord Jesus Christ, and he sends his word to heal. 
And what I'm saying to you, if you believe what I say to you and you listen to it, it'll heal you. It's the word that heals. I find very often people don't understand this. Before they get out for prayer, they're already delivered. Why? It's the word that does the work. God sent his word to heal. And it's quite simple. That's what does the miracle. It's not some supernatural magic. It's just the word that has divine power because it came from his lips. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions, changed everything. You'll find over in Acts 27, turn with me there, Acts 27. find that they were in a, a storm on a ship and um, Paul says to them Paul says to them verse 24 um the angel stood there first. Verse 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit we must um, be cast upon a certain island." Uh, and then they go on and the people they don't believe Paul they start fasting and praying and then Paul on the 14th day says to them um, but while the day was coming on verse 33 Paul besought them all to take meat saying this day is the 14th day that you have tarried and continued fasting having taken nothing wherefore I pray you to take some meat for this is for your health for there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they also took some meat. And there were, and we were in all in the ship, two hundred three score and sixteen souls. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship. There's still a storm going on. Paul's saying, look, an angel's spoken to me. For goodness sake, eat. You need it for your health. 
stop fasting, stop being silly. An angel said to me, there's not one of you even going to lose a hair of your head. We're all going to be saved. You know, here's Paul, not Jesus, this is Paul, saying to the people, hey, you're all going to be saved. And it wasn't by what they did or by their prayers. It was God's choice. It was God's purpose. And God has a purpose and plan for your life. And he's going to work out that purpose and plan. doesn't matter what you think. Our God orders all things after the counsel of his own will. And nothing that he won't perfect. What is planned for you is going to happen. Now Paul was going to stand before Caesar. And there was no way a storm was going to take his life from him. And Paul... Because he was Paul, he prayed for the people in the ship. He didn't want any of them to be lost. And God sent an angel saying, don't worry. It's okay. I find so many people that they get so intense with trouble that they live thinking of the trouble rather than live thinking of God. They get their minds and their hearts off God and God's promises. And they look at circumstances. And it's time in the midst of life to stop looking at your circumstances. Stop looking at the troubles and start looking to the one who can answer them all. His name is Jesus. And it's that simple. Very simple, isn't it? Hmm? Then you can go on and look in... um, Uh, Philippians chapter 1 Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 says this Only let your conversation, that's your manner of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation." And that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. He said, Don't ever get terrified by anything that your adversaries are going to do, because it's going to work out to your salvation. Doesn't matter what other people do. It's always going to work. You know, there is peace in the storm. I love the scripture that says, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. It's true. People always will rise up against truth because they hate it. Their whole purpose in life is to destroy what's good. There's some people, that, that's their gift. All they do is criticize and try and tear down what God builds up. That's because that's the way they are. 
but you know them because that's the way they live. God says, hey, don't, don't get troubled by it. Don't worry about it. And it doesn't matter what people do to you, it matters where your faith is in God. Don't be terrified. Don't be afraid. Don't get disturbed. If circumstances seem to go wrong, just get in peace. Put your heart in God. And then you'll find in 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 11 says this in 2 Timothy 1.11. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Jesus Christ. You have to hold fast what's true, what's sound. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him. I'm persuaded that God's faithful. I'm persuaded he'll never let me down. I'm persuaded he'll see me through. I'm persuaded in the midst of the highest storm, my God will be faithful. And that is the way a Christian lives. And Paul was saying, you know, I'm a preacher, therefore preachers are always the ones that get attacked. Usually the man in the pew doesn't have to suffer, it's the preacher. Blame the preacher. You've got to blame someone. Because that's the way people are. They like to blame someone. Can't blame anyone else. Blame the preacher. And Paul found that. He said, well, you know, that's the way it is. That's why I suffer things. But so what? He says, look, just keep the sound form of words that have been spoken. Believe what God says. Believe his word. And it's simple as that. Putting your trust in him. He won't fail you. He won't leave you. He won't desert you. His word is true. And you keep it in your mind. You study it. You become convinced of it. You don't let anyone detract you from it. You don't let anyone spoil it. You keep hold of it. And you hold on to it in certainty that what God said is true. He will not fail. It doesn't matter. If everything seems to contradict it, God's word is true. He cannot fail. No word he speaks will return to him void. It will accomplish what he sent it to do. That's the way it is. And that's the faith a Christian has. It's so simple. And it's so comforting to the heart. And it's so establishing in the mind. If so be, that's what you think on. And hold on to. 
But I find a lot of people, when things begin to go wrong, they let go of the form of sound doctrine, they let go of what they've been taught, and they start to panic, they start to fear, they start to wonder, they start to question. And if you do that, forget it. You'll get nowhere with God. Because you aren't even centered on God, you're just centered on yourself. And you're in trouble then. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. In verse 14 says this, Now thanks be unto God. In verse 14, 2 Corinthians 2. Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to what? Triumph in Christ. And maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. God always causes us to what? When? Always. In fact, a Christian lives in victory. Doesn't live in defeat. We're always in triumph. We always have victory. In the midst of everything, we're more than conquerors. Through Christ who strengthens us. Hey, we've got a God who looks after us. We've got a God who's powerful. The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You have all power, all might, all dominion. And that's the promise of God. I believe it. I believe all authority is in his hands, both in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. My God is almighty. And the devil is a tiny, tiny little thing called a fallen angel. But my God is omnipotent. And I believe in him and I believe in Christ who conquered the devil. And as I tell people when they come to me and they say, oh, the devil made me do it. You don't need a devil to help you sin. You're a big enough devil yourself. You don't need any help. You do it because that's what you want to do. Grow up. You need to repent, turn from your wickedness, and live right. As simple as that. It's not the devil, it's you. When you look in the mirror, take responsibility for your own sin. Don't blame someone else for it. That's what Adam and Eve did. The woman you gave me, accusing God. The serpent, he did it. No, you made the choice. That's the truth. And it's wonderful to know that he always causes us to triumph. Isn't that simple? You know, he gives victory always. It's as simple as that. I believe it. I'm a great believer in God and I believe in his power I believe in his grace I believe in his love and that's why we come together and have a music of miracles have the choir sing but we always preach the word because really it's the word of God sets the prisoner free it's the word of God does the work I'm not a healer I've never delivered anyone I'm not a miracle worker. I want you to know that. But I know someone who is. 
His name is Jesus, and he lives in me. And he does it. And it's as simple as that. Are you like the woman? You can look at Jesus and say, well, if I'm up but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If he's done it for others, he can do it for me. It can't be something I believe. Don't think that you've got to believe yourself into a miracle. You can't. God does the miracle. You believe it after it's happened. Don't believe you can somehow work yourself up to have faith. You can't. It's a gift of God. He gives it. But what you can do tonight is if you're one of those people that's in a storm in your life, what I'd like to ask you to do is just, after I've prayed, come out the front and I'll pray with you. And I guarantee God will still the storm. He'll change everything. I guarantee it. I have God's word which cannot fail. If you've got disease and sickness in your body, I know the divine physician who's able to change it. I guarantee it. Christianity is very easy. Do you know Christ is the head of Christianity? He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He has all authority and all power. And so he hasn't given you much. So let him do what he can do. And stop trying to do it for him. Was that simple? Was that simple? You understand it. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead. There's only one true God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Three persons in one. But there's only one way to God. That's through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. We're going to pray. Father, I just pray in your love and your grace, you'll quicken your word to each heart. You come to still the storm. You come to deliver the captive. You come to heal the sick. Lord, I just pray for each one who's here. Lord, that you by your spirit will speak inside of them. Because if you don't do the work, it surely won't be done. Lord, let your grace and your love reach out right now to each one, I pray in Jesus' name.